Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of The Bank. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. And we're here to talk about the Ravens and the, the start of this upcoming year. Um, you guys can check us out at baltimoresportsandlife.com. We both write articles about what we see going on with the Ravens over there. We also post actively on the message board. It's a great way to get in touch with us, to reach out to us, give us ideas about what we can talk about or what you guys want to hear about. We'd love to see you there over at baltimoresportsandlife.com. Um, you can also catch us on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie, and I'm at BSL Jordan Co. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. So. Gabe, we're we're a week away, literally. Yeah. I, I can't I can't believe it. It finally arrived, right? I felt like it never happened. <laughs> and it, and it seems like it's inevitable that we're at least going to get a week, at least a week's worth in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so far there have been very few positive tests, right? After like the initial kind of like waves of people coming into camp, once once the I guess the pseudo bubbles were kind of established, you know, players were keeping things pretty serious. And I think that's exactly what, you know, NFL teams are hoping for will continue throughout the rest of the season. Players will be wise, just trying to stay away from areas or, or situations where they could get in trouble. Um, and, you know, I think we just have to hope that, that nothing major happens because all it takes is, a, you know, an infection to get into the locker room and a lot of people can go down. So we, we just need to, you know, hopefully keep, keep people, um, getting, you know, tested and make sure that they're, they're negative. And then if anything does happen, then you just have to keep them separated. So. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of looking at the college football season and the, you know, the watered down version that it is right now as kind of a barometer of whether or not this can happen. I think those rosters are bigger and obviously college campuses are way more exposed to teams these days. So um, if the college game can keep going, uh, and them having kind of a first week and not an implosion within within the first week of of already stopping games. I, I'm confident we're going to see at least three or four games um, to start the season. And I'm I, and I'm also relatively confident that even if we get to the end of four weeks and some kind of pause happens, that the season could resume on the other side of that. Um, the NFL seems determined to make it happen. If you look at the NBA, um, the NBA's numbers in terms of who's watching their games and and the value of what they're getting right now out of this postseason. Um, and they're basically playing games every single night. Um, the viewership's just going to explode for the NFL. Um, and it's going to make it really, really challenging for them not to continue the season at that point. So that's a, I mean, that's exciting. Hopefully they don't have to fight off some kind of outbreak or, or some kind of overwhelming thing, but it's an exciting time to start the year. Yeah, and then the NFL set up the schedule in such a manner that they could, you know, make some changes along the way if need be. So, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but there's definitely the possibility of things getting fixed or, like, adjusted, and and that's something that we have to, like, keep in mind, too. So if there is yeah. an outbreak, it doesn't necessarily mean that the season's over. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. So, so well, um, let's, yeah, let's get yeah, into let's, it. Let's talk about the, the Ravens a little bit here, you know. We have a finalized roster. We had some cutdowns that happened. Um, 
were there any surprises that stood out to you in the making the final 53? Yeah, you know, I wrote a couple of times and, and on the message board about the 53-man roster. I, I don't think there were a whole lot of surprises when you look at the roster as a whole. There were, you know, the last the last few guys in were McSorley and Alaka. Um, and a lot of guys that were on the bubble just didn't make it. Um, you know, you can kind of count maybe Jaleel Scott on that group of guys that was on the outside, maybe Scarf, maybe Kenyon Barner. Um, you know, I, I'll take the easy layup first, which is the Ravens only carrying two tight ends. Um, you know, I, I think the impact of how that's going to trickle down into the season is really, really interesting. Um, and I'm par- particularly intrigued to see kind of how that plays its way out for this team because there were so many heavy tight end sets. And, and sure, we saw some 11 personnel and three wide receiver sets last year. Um, but this is kind of a fundamental change over what we saw from last year. Um, and so the question is, how does that play itself out in terms of the personnel typings, the kind of plays they run? Does that mean they're going to run less? Um, I, I've always advocated to you when we've talked about this, the, the Ravens should, should have always, in my opinion, spread out more and still run the ball. They could have come up to the line big, split Andrews and Hurst out wide, kept Ricard at fullback or in a tight end spot and run the ball um, against a heavy personnel that spread out across the field or thrown it to guys like Andrews or Hurst who were capable of beating corners. Um, so maybe we, we just see the same scheme and the same approach, just different guys on the field executing it. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. Um, I think there have been a lot of signals in this offseason that have, you know, Given the, the given to that notion that the Ravens might want to spread the ball out a little bit more, and, you know, I wrote an article about a month ago talking about this. Um, the Ravens didn't replace Hayden Hurst on the roster. They, I mean, this was even before like the the roster cutdowns happened. But I thought they would keep three tight ends. Turns out they're not going to. I think that means that we'll see a lot less of the heavy personnel. I mean, they just don't have the guys to necessarily do it. I think you know, Ricard is. A, someone who will probably see a little bit more of a role than he did last year. I think he was on the field for like maybe a third of the snaps. So that might uptick a little bit. You know, he, he was able to align as an inline tight end at some point. So he can take over some of those, those functions, but in terms of like targets um, and in the passing game, I think that's going to kind of go more towards the wide receivers and maybe towards the running backs too. And, and that's something that I would like to see, you know, as, as Lamar evolves um, as a, as a quarterback, you know, the ability to um, push the ball downfield a little bit more, not do so many kind of short check downs to the tight ends. We saw, you know, kind of Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst were both kind of those short intermediate um, targets a lot of the time last year. And Andrews was more of the vertical stretcher as a tight end. You see him in the seams. Um, he was mostly lined up as a slot receiver. And I think that's what he's going to continue to be for the Ravens. Uh, in this coming season, he'll probably see the field more than last year. And then, you know, the Ravens might have three wide receivers out there, too. So there's going to be more speed. There's going to be more ability to, you know, push the ball downfield. And I think that's hopefully going to signal a little bit more pass-heavy offense than, like, the extreme run-heavy offense that we saw last year. Yeah, you know, one of the things I was thinking about in this process was also Hollywood Brown's health. You know, a lot of – even if we had the same iteration of tight ends on the roster last year and Brown was a guy that wasn't going to – I mean, he basically was just – this is conjecture because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I guess he only played about 50% of the snaps last year or less. Um, His usage was very targeted and specific. Um, 
his the nuance of how they used him in terms of like the complexity of what in motion um jet sweeps etc you didn't see any kind of run action from him you didn't see any bubble screens from him all that ideally is on the table for this upcoming year in terms of his health um so you throw another 300 snaps or so that he's just on the field um and those might not even result in targets per se um but that that's 300 snaps right there alone that could could be some of hayden Hurst's snaps as well as then you're talking about Dobbins, a guy that can get involved in the passing game. I think we saw with Justice Hill, the Ravens wanted him to be a guy that could be a receiver, but but he really didn't show any chops there. Gus Edwards, same story. Um, but how many times do we see the Ravens kind of use Edwards in motion to the outside and actually let him take a snap where he's on the boundary or motion him out and then motion him back in? And, you know, I kind of would roll my eyes every time that happened because there was no meaningful threat there. Well, now the Ravens have a chance to add something there um, in terms of Dobbins. Um, you know, you add in some of these wide receivers, Roberts, Roberts was fine last year. Um, but if you've got two guys in Duvernay and Prochet that you think can actually catch the ball in big moments, um, you know, it it doesn't seem like they had to replace that usage. And if Ricard can play tight end for big sets, uh, you know, I'm surprised it happened, but I, I think that the Ravens will be just fine. Yeah. I think a lot of the times the wide receivers last year were kind of just, a body, you know, someone out there who could run around and occupy, you know, a defender. They weren't really as much of a threat on the field as what, you know, the tight ends were. I think it really was a tight end focused offense that the Ravens had last year. And that's because that's where they had most of the talent. They, they had their, their best pass catchers at the tight end position. Um, you didn't really have the guys like, you know, even like their secondary or, or tertiary kind of guys like Devin Duvernay, who I mean, he's a rookie. We don't know exactly what he's what he's going to be, but we think that you know we know he has a speed element. He ran a four three nine, I think. Um, he has great hands. He can get deep. Um, he's a guy who's going to make some contested catches for you. And I think he's someone that is going to be you know maybe not right away, but I think as the season progresses, he's going to get more and more involved in the offense. You know, he's another guy like you're talking about with Hollywood who could potentially be used in the backfield or in jet motions, you know, it's kind of these wide receiver screens. Um, that, that just adds another dimension to the offense. And, and I think that's something that the Ravens are going to really want to, you know, keep adding as, as the offense progresses. You want to have as many possible things that the defense have, or the, yeah, the defense has to account for. Um, because before, you know, they kind of got a little, they could be a little predictable at times last year. I think with the, with the, the run rate with a run on first down, they're at the heaviest rate of running on first down in, in the league. Um, I think that might be, that might change a little bit. Um, you know, they, they put their heavy personnel out there like you were talking about before. And you know, it was pretty much going to be a run because they didn't have the players that were able to be dynamic and, and take a, a, you know, a 12 personnel and make it into a, a, a vertical passing set. So I think now there's more flexibility with the offense. And I think it's just going to make, you know, Lamar Jackson, a more dynamic player because there's there's more threats on down the field. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see kind of how that shakes out in the first week of the year, and I think we're going to have a lot to talk about through the first few weeks in terms of packages and iterations and where the Ravens are finding success or aren't finding success, and it's going to be interesting to watch early. Just kind of kind of like last year, I, I think we didn't know what we were going to get, and I think this year we still kind of don't know what we're going to get because um, they, they have a lot of directions they can go in. Are they going to continue to be cutting edge or continue to um, kind of really push the boundary in terms of running the ball? Are they going to get a little bit more traditional or is there going to be 
something completely creative that that they're wrinkled in, you know. And you look at the motion last year and snapping the ball before a tight end in motion in the backfield while he's between the tackles is a really unique thing. And and it didn't burn the Ravens last year. I think only one time did it actually result in a botched snap. But that was a like that ability to do things like that took teams ability to time the snap count away to jump a little bit early to to do those kind of things and it, and it caught teams off guard i wonder if the ravens have something up their sleeve this upcoming year too yeah i mean i think they'll probably you know just do the next next uh iteration of the offense like what's the next thing that they're going to add to it you know a lot of the time last year it was um, a lot of the same plays it was just kind of like dressed up in different ways you know you maybe had different players doing the motions they use a lot of motion to kind of like make it look like it was a lot fancier than it really was but and like especially in the running game it was a lot of the same stuff that they just they just did over and over again and, and teams um weren't able to stop it to the ravens credit they executed really well and when you have a guy like lamar it's 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 hard to stop him just because of what he brings to the table but if you actually have a few more things that you can do with it now you, i don't think teams will be able to do eventually what like the titans did in the playoffs where they where they were able to kind of just focus on taking away the middle of the field, focus on like kind of, you know, trying to like keep Lamar from having these like his big plays. And they really succeeded in some ways. In some ways they, they you know, the Ravens still put up 500 yards for offense. But um, I, I think that, you know, the Ravens learn from that. They're going to try and do things differently a little bit. And it's, it's going to be fun to watch. And we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But, you know, last year we didn't know what it would look like in week one. And they came out and passed the ball over the place. And, more at five touchdowns and 300 some yards passing. Um, I don't know. I think we might see that more frequently this year. Yeah, absolutely. So what else surprised you uh, from the, the uh, early training camp reports? So I think one of the things that surprised me outside of um, releasing Earl <laughs> Thomas um, was that they didn't actually try and find somebody to replace him. Um, I, th- I think if you look at the safety position now, it's one of the leaner positions on the roster and and with the way that um wing martindale likes to you know run a lot of different things with the defense he, there's a lot of defensive backs on the field most of the time you know five six defensive backs um if you have one of these players go down to injury then there's the, the you know the, the team is pretty thin at that position and i'm a little concerned about that there's a lack of experience i think especially at the free safety position um there isn't really a true free safety on the roster. Um, and I think that might, you know, be a wrench that they're going to have to figure out as, as the season progresses. And and we talked a little bit on the message board last year, the Ravens had kind of a similar lack of experience at linebacker. Maybe they had a little bit more um, with, with a guy like Chuck Clark back there this year, but um, they didn't really, they went into the season with this plan in place and they had to change it midway. Um, and we'll have to see if, if there's something that the Ravens are going to do if it doesn't look like it's working out. And, you know, I have all the faith like I in Chuck Clark. I think he's a great player. Um, he's a signal caller back there. I think he's going to be good. But next to him, you have Deshaun Elliott, who's never been a starter in the NFL. And then behind him, you have Geno Stone, who's never been in the NFL. And, you know, you have um, Anthony Naveen, but he's more a special teams player at this point of his career. There's just there's not a lot of experience there. And I think it might be a place that the Ravens have to look at um, down the road. I hope that's not the case, but it's something that I'll keep my eye on. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good question. And, you know, Jimmy Smith is kind of in that mix a little bit, but also hasn't really played free safety. Maybe he can be a guy up over the top, but 
the Ravens, DaCosta seems comfortable rolling the dice with this kind of stuff. I was uncomfortable with where middle linebacker was before the draft. Um, I think to some degree the Ravens got a little lucky. Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison falling to both spots where they did in the draft were, I think, not expected. Um, you know, and maybe maybe they did have high ratings on some other guys, and that's why they were a little more comfortable with it. But I felt like you don't take those chances. You put veterans on the roster that could win those spots. And, you know, if you have to cut them before camp starts, you do so. Um, you know, Jake Ryan aside, that that, that wasn't enough for me. Um, I wanted to see more. Um, you know, you got to have a guy like Bynes on the roster to start the year, not after week four when you need him. But um, in my opinion, uh, but Eric DaCosta and, and company, they seem really comfortable letting some of these young guys get a shot. And they're not rookies. And John Harbaugh is kind of known for not letting rookies play big roles right up front. Um, so, you know, I, I would caution everybody to tone down any of the chatter about rookies impact, um, you know, especially at skill positions. But that being said, they let Clark step in right away after, you know, seeing what they had from him. You get the same thing from Elliot. They've got plenty of film or plenty of kind of practice tape or whatever you want to call it from these guys. And, and Elliot, even, Elliot, when healthy, even got some pro level snaps last year. So if health is a concern and you think you can sign a guy later, you can't completely fault the Ravens for that. And maybe that saves a million or 2 million total in the cap in the long run. And the Ravens think they could get more bang for that buck out of cap later. Um, we'll see, but it definitely surprised me. I mean, obviously we haven't really talked about the Earl Thomas thing. That whole thing went down pretty fast um, in too much depth, but um, you know, here we are. I, I think he's gone and you got to move on. Um, and so the Ravens seem comfortable at times letting veteran spaces go and letting other guys backfill. So I, I do think it's Bill Barnwell ID it is his one thing that he thought could bring down the Ravens and the run to the Super Bowl. Um so I don't I don't think you're too far off in being surprised there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more of just it's more of a depth thing that that worries me um than anything else. I think like you, you mentioned Jimmy Smith, I think he'll have more of a role um in the safety group this year. Um I, I think, you know, he's He's definitely got the experience playing defensive back. You know, he's comfortable in, in a lot of different zone coverages. So I think he will fill in to some extent there, um, similar to how we saw Brandon Carr last year shift from cornerback to some of the safety looks as the season progressed. So I, I do want to, you know, be, be a little careful or a little hesitant with, with Jimmy because we don't know what to expect about him either. You know, he's never played safety, so it could be something that comes naturally to him or it could be something where we see struggles. And just something to keep an eye on, I think, um, with how the safeties align, you know, who's playing those roles. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see who fills, fills what roles as, 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 you know, the weeks kind of, kind of go on. Um, so were there any players that, you know, surprised you that they made the 53? I think that's another thing that we could take a look at here. Yeah, I think I'm a little surprised Alaka made the 53 or that both Board and Alaka made the 53. Um, but I think that goes a little bit to saying that the Ravens don't like to give rookies a full-on experience right away. I think we're going to see Queen in a starting role. Um, but I think they like to give reps and time to guys that understand the system and they know and they can trust. So I think those guys would stand out to me. I was also surprised to see that Fluker seems to be not in the – lead for that starting right guard role um and that Tyree Phillips seems like he's he's on the inside track right there right now um he's a guy that didn't get a whole lot of buzz the Ravens yeah. the Ravens had a fantastic draft and a lot of people talked about a lot of players I think Broderick Washington and Tyree Phillips were the two guys 
that at least us, you know, we covered the draft in depth. We, we didn't really talk a whole lot about those guys. And sometimes with defensive linemen, offensive linemen, it can be hard to get really into them from their college film. Um, but it seems like he really impressed. And, and the Ravens have a track record of third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds of really hitting it in terms of drafting offensive linemen. Um, and Tyree Phillips being a legit NFL offensive lineman from the start could be huge because we've got some big decisions coming up about what we need to do in terms of signing some offensive linemen. And we've got a huge gap to fill in terms of Marshall Yonda. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think that's one of the things that I was also surprised about was uh, Phillips looking like he's going to be the you know starting right guard. And, you know, the Ravens haven't come out and said for sure he's going to be starting. I think probably won't know until Sunday morning. Um, but it looks like the Ravens want one one Phillips there, and then have that Fluker as kind of the backup tackle um, if, if something were to happen to one of the starters, and and it might shake out more as the, as the season goes on. This is just one of those things that we we miss when we don't have preseason. You know, we don't see who's who's getting the starting reps. We don't see who looks better in what what spots. So uh, it must mean that Phillips has just been you know the best player out there on the practice field, and I think that's. A, you know, a great sign, obviously, for the Ravens. You know, they, they did spend a third-round draft pick on him. Um, they must have seen him as a guard the entire time. Um, he's got good size. Obviously, he played tackle in college, so there might be some opportunity for him to also back up a tackle if needed. But, you know, the fact that they're able to have a rookie come in and potentially start right away, that's, that's a great sign for his development. So I think that's definitely a positive for the, for the Ravens. Um, I think – player that I was a little surprised by was Trace McSorley. Um, just because I don't really see how he fits into, you know, the game day kind of active roster. And I don't also see him as really a, a, a dynamic kind of talent at quarterback. So like the need to keep him on the roster is, is in, not significant to me. So I feel like he's a player that you could have gone through and put on the practice squad and maybe you can have somebody and, you know, the practice squad and the roster might be a little more fungible this year than in years past. Um, but I think that having him occupy, you know, a third quarterback position on, on the roster is, is a little questionable. And I don't, I don't mind having him on the practice squad, having someone you can bring up in, in case of emergency, but it just seemed like a little strange to have, um, you know, three quarterbacks, especially when there, there's some other players who, like the, like the third tight end, for instance, that seemed like they might be a little more useful on a day, on day of the of, of the game. So we'll we'll see um kind of how that shakes out. Yeah, you know i i don't I don't understand the Ravens' newfound obsession with three quarterbacks on the roster. This was something that a few years ago they didn't care about, and they were on the cutting edge of not carrying an extra roster spot for a quarterback. And now we're we're back here. And look, don't get me wrong, if the Ravens had like tried to sign Josh Rosen, who apparently is on a practice squad now. Like, come on, Ravens, if you want to sign a quarterback, how about him? Um, But, you know, if that's what you want to do, fine if they're talented or there's upside. But, like, and like, look, I haven't seen enough of Trace McSorley to say one way or the other, but he's not Taysom Hill, which was kind of how they, like, tabbed it initially. He's not doing anything other than being the third quarterback. It's a guy that's going to be inactive on game day. Luckily, the Ravens didn't lose anybody that, you know, to the practice squad as of this point that I would have really cared about. So in that sense, I guess, you know, you're getting worked up over, you know, something that didn't really happen. Um, But but, you know, to me, I'd rather have Nigel Warrior on the roster as like a guarantee. I'd rather have Eli Wolf on the roster. I'd rather 
I'd rather the Ravens approach it from that perspective. But, you know, I guess we are. it is what it is. But if Trace McSorley is starting or playing in any game, this team is in trouble, hard stop. And you can replace his name with 100 other guys, and, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know he's kind of a, a local pro- favorite, you know, playing up in Penn State. There are a lot of fans who are very familiar with him when he was playing college. And, you know, he did some nice things in the in the preseason last year, but I don't see him as a viable starting quarterback, even in like a backup role in, in the NFL. I, I just don't think he has that um, level of talent. And maybe it's like they plan on using him in kind of like a gadget role. Maybe he's going to be in there in some special teams, but I just – I don't know. I, I just don't see him being a guy that really needs to be on the 53 man roster. Um, but the good thing is that like you mentioned, the Ravens were able to get a pretty solid looking practice squad and, you know, they were, they expanded the practice squad to 16 players for this season um, because of COVID and they had, they've made some changes to the rules so you can bring up players on, on game day that you can have two guys who are active in the practice squad and, you know, that, that I think gives the Ravens a little bit more flexibility. Um, and I was pretty happy with, with what the, the practice squad looks like. Um, is there any position there that you thought could be better suited? Or do you think that the Ravens are in good shape there? Yeah, I think overall the Ravens look like they're in pretty good shape there. And I think the practice squad is kind of an area or a thing that's worth getting some extra attention of ours on this podcast just in general. I mean, I think if – if you think about how the, you, you talked about one of the changes, practice squad players are now allowed to be activated off the practice squad twice um, to regular season active game day and then allowed to go back to the practice squad. Um, but I think that, you know, for all our listeners out there, we also revert to your standard pod, or your standard practice squad rules, which, right, um, generally speaking, which are that they are essentially like you're on the waiver wire. So any team can sign any player off any other practice squad onto their active roster at any given moment. Um, so the Ravens have that capability of or are at risk of that capability happening to them at any particular part. I think this season we saw a waiver of the veteran rules that applied to the practice squad. They changed it a little bit going into 2019. And I believed in 2019, if you had more than I think you had if you had more than like 14 active games um, on the the 53 man roster, you weren't eligible for the practice squad, which was an increase over like three or four games from the year before. Yeah. Now it seems to be carte blanche could be anybody on your practice squad. Um, and so it's interesting to me to see that, you know, I like what the Ravens did with their practice squad. Just to answer your question specifically, I think Holden as like a swing tap tackle type, both Wolf and Adams are helpful. I'm glad that they got Chauncey Rivers on there. I'm glad they got Nigel Warrior on there. Was surprised to see Jordan Richards on there. Um, you know, a little surprised that Charles Scarf wasn't there. Jaleel Scott wasn't there. A little surprised Barner wasn't there. Um, but I think the Ravens probably don't expect that he's a guy that they need to get. Um, but if Prochet turns out to be unable to return kicks or not capable um, or or just not good at it, then they're going to need to bring in a guy that's able to do that as well. Um, so, but then you see veterans getting signed. Like Brandon Carr just before today um, reported that he is on the Dallas Cowboys practice squad. And it's just, Again, it's not that, you know, I don't know if it's stubbornness from DaCosta and it's like, look, we're going to go with our guys and I'm going to stand behind them. But it's like, or if there's, you know, you and I talked about this offline, but I think maybe there's bad blood between Carr and the Ravens because they cut him. Um, That seems really unlikely. If I'm Brandon Carr, I want to play on the team I think has the best chance to win a Super Bowl. Now, maybe he lives in Dallas and and that's home for him. It's a little easier to be on their practice squad. 
So this is a team that you were part of, the team that you know has the capability of being the, the one of the best two teams in the league for sure this year. And so he chooses to go and play for Dallas. It just really surprised me that the Ravens weren't on that. Yeah, I mean, I thought that Brandon Carr was someone the Ravens would call up immediately after after Earl Thomas was let go. And, and kind of I was just waiting to see that, you know, come up on my Twitter feed that the Ravens are bringing in Brandon Carr and it just never happened. So maybe they had, there was some communication there that we we're not aware of, um, and maybe there was there was no interest from one side of the part, one of the parties or the other. I don't know what the case is there, but someone like that, um, I think, is a player that the Ravens could definitely use. Um, and like you said, he is on a practice squad, so if they wanted to sign him to the active roster, I guess that's something that could still happen potentially because he's not on the roster of the Dallas Cowboys. So, you know, that that is available still. Um, and I think that in general, um, like you said, there's um, anybody. There's I think there's a certain number of players that have, can be on the practice squad that have like veteran um, accrued seasons. So I think you only have like maybe six players with that or something. I'm not I'm not sure about all the numbers. Maybe someone out there is better um, informed about that than we are. There's a lot of new rules about it. So um, it's something that I think smart teams like the Ravens will obviously try and take advantage of it as much as they can, because um, anytime you can use the rules to your advantage, you know, you want to do that. So I think the practice squad is something that will come up this year. I, I imagine at some point certain players might be elevated um, just based off of matchups or off of, you know, whatever, whatever the Ravens are seeing against their opponent. Um, but I think it's something that's definitely worth monitoring as, as the season goes on, how, how practice squads, you know, change and, and, how players are caught up and put back down. I think it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I, I think the one guy I thought might have a shot at the active roster due to Imam Marshall's injury was Josh nurse. And he's a guy that didn't make the practice squad. Um, but beyond that, I was, I was pretty happy with how the Ravens comprised this team. And I think, you know, we saw, I think what the average, like over the last 10 years, I think I read was like 40, 40 ish claims during um, the first wave of cuts. And there were only 17 this yeah. year. Um, you know, obviously COVID's going to have an impact on this kind of stuff. Teams are going to like their guys, so to speak. Um, and, and there's a little bit more protection. And I think the Ravens had some idea, you know, of how much they were scouting other teams in terms of their practice squads and what was or wasn't potentially going to work. So um you know, it's it's an interesting spot to see kind of where where and how that all shakes out. But I, at the end of the day, you know, and, and I love talking about this kind of stuff because I think it's interesting. Um, I'd also say in the bigger picture, it means nothing for the Ravens, right? Like none of these guys on the practice squad should be having any impact on this year's roster. And even even the last eight guys in, um, unless there are some, you know, really bad injuries are also probably not going to have an impact. The Ravens have you know, tremendous depth at a lot of positions right now. You know, a guy that we haven't even been forced to talk about is Anthony Averett. He's been getting rave reviews of kind of his progress this year at camp. You've got essentially three starter level quality guys on the interior of the offensive line, in my opinion, between Makari, um, Skura, and Powers, like whichever guy is kind of the leftover guy and then Fluker or or Phillips, whoever the, is the leftover guy in that group of mix, like, I would be comfortable if the Ravens rolled out three of those guys as the, the front three starters. Um, so, you know, if you look at the wide receiver, Prochet and Duvernay are guys that I think that we're going to be willing to let them step up. So tight end and safety, yeah, we've got a couple holes. But by and large, I feel really comfortable about where this team is. No major injuries at this point of the year. 
to major players. Um, and, and that's really the best you can ask for as a Ravens fan, I think. Yeah, and that, maybe that's one of the hidden values of not having preseason games is you don't get preseason game injuries because it's something that seemingly happens every year. You know, there's one or two starters who, who are going to go down, um, and it's always tough to watch, but it, it seems to happen every single year. Um, you know, I think the Ravens have been kind of cutting down the number of, of reps for their starting guys in preseason in, in, in the recent years past. So I think moving forward, you know, the preseason might end up being a thing of the past. You know, we might have two games, one game. We might not. I don't, I'm not sure. I think teams are going to move to these like practices where they where they have like three day camps against another team and see um, what they look like in these scrimmages. I think that's probably where the NFL is headed in the future. And that's something that will be interesting to see too. Um, I guess I, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about you know this is the week one of the NFL season. Did you want to talk about the Ravens? You know, for week one opponent, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, for sure. And I think our next podcast, we're going to dive into the game in particular. I want to start getting into kind of some of the stats and the film and, and getting on Game Pass to take a look at last year's games with the Browns and, and what the impact was. But, um, you know, the Browns are a really interesting team as a first opponent because, one, they've got a completely brand new coach. And two, they were an absolute train wreck of a football team last year. Um and you always wonder how that's going to translate into the next season. Um, you know, I, I'd almost rather be playing a team that was didn't have a prove-it need in them or was really, really awful and should have been really awful in that process in week one because I think that there it leaves an element of you don't know what you're going to see from them, but they're really familiar and kind of the players or at least some of the history is really familiar with what you are. Um, so they can overhaul what they've done, whereas – you don't have that advantage of the kind of division in division things is Stefanski really turns things upside down on their heads. Um, and so I think that makes the Browns a really interesting first look for the Ravens. Yeah. They didn't, and they didn't have a, a huge roster overhaul in terms of, in terms of personnel changes. You know, they brought in a couple of new players. Um, they solidified their offensive line. Um, you know, they brought in a tight end. Um, but overall, they, they really kind of like stood pat with, with their team. And similar to, I guess, a lot of teams, they didn't, didn't have a lot of huge overhaul this, this season. Um, there are a lot of reasons for that. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what, what they look like. You know, last year, like you said, they were a train wreck. Um, they were always a talented team. And they just kind of didn't put it together in terms of wins and losses. And I think a lot of that was coaching, some maturity perhaps, and players. Um, but I think – this is going to be a good test for the Ravens in week one. You'll, you know, they'll kind of see how they stack up. We haven't seen any football in what eight, eight months now, seven months. So, um, I think this is, you know, this, this is just going to be. We're just going to have to wait and see. It's, it's, I don't know what the NFL is going to look like in, in the first week. I think hopefully players are, you know, they've been hitting in, in practice. And they're not going to be completely uh, <laughs> um, out of their out of their element, but. Um, we didn't even get much of a you know training camp this year, so I think it's going to be a, a lot of things that could happen. I think the Ravens potentially could could take the Browns um, pretty handily, but it could also be a closer game than what we'd like to see. So I don't know. I think we can talk more about that um, in a little bit, but I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of give a little precursor to you know things that are coming up. Yeah, I, I mean, the Browns are a really talented team on paper. And if you're, you know, we're talking about kind of the NFL wide 
where there's chatter. It seems like the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are getting some chatter for the opportunity to be a pretty good team right now, um, which I think is legitimate. And I don't want to see any reason why um, they shouldn't be. Um, I think they are a dangerous team defensively. I think offensively, there are a lot of questions on that team about yeah. how they're going to move forward. Um, I think this is the Ravens division to lose though. Um, it wouldn't shock me if the Ravens went five or five and one or six and zero oh in the division. Um, I think they're that much better than some of these other teams. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, the, the, the Pittsburgh offense was absolutely terrible without Roethlisberger last year, but the kind of elbow surgery that he had, the age that he is getting up there to his mentality and approach, um, you know, I'm really interested to see how that translates, especially like you were saying with a short preseason. Um, I think live hitting is going to be rough on guys that are coming back from major surgeries and are a little bit potentially behind physically. Yeah, that, I mean, I think, like you said, the Steelers are a team that a lot of people see kind of as like that, that next tier of teams that are you know right below some of the top teams that generally consensus, you know, like the Chiefs, the Ravens, you know, Saints, maybe the 49ers. Um, and then, but the, the Steelers, you know, they were what a 500 team last year. And like you said, they had like one of the worst offenses that you'll ever see. And, you know, logic kind of dictates that you, you take a garbage fail quarterback and bring back Ben Roethlisberger and replace him. Then you're going to have an improvement to the offense. And I think that's, that's going to happen. I don't, we just, we don't know how, how much of a change that's going to be in terms of wins and losses, but if it gives them two wins and, you know, 10 and six, I think they're definitely going to be in the playoff contention and depending on how the Ravens, you know, look, um, if they're more like an 11 to 12 win team, then it, it could be a tough division or a tight division race all the way down to the end. Yeah. You know, and I want to talk a little bit about kind of predictions and pundits and people and their chatter about the Ravens, because I think as a Ravens fan, we get indignant about things and they offend us more easily than other teams potentially, but I'm pretty worked up about, <laughs> some of these things that I'm seeing where, where people are projecting the Steelers to be better than the Ravens. Part of the reason why the Steelers <clears throat> had the record that they had last year was because the Ravens and, and the AFC North in general was playing a relatively light schedule. Um, it made it easier to win games that you wouldn't be able to win. I don't think the schedule is nearly as favorable this year. Um, I also don't think that the that people are talking about the Ravens like point differential and how good they were. Um, the Ravens put up 530 plus points last year. They didn't start their offense in week 17. And for another six quarters, the Ravens offense was also benched. So you're talking about basically in 14 games, the Ravens posting 500 points last year. And you got the, I, I read an article on ESPN today where the, some like whoever was writing the article was saying that they're going to be the third best offense in the league this year. And they're going to score 415 points. And it's just like, I, I, we must not have been watching the same football games last year that I was watching because you're talking about a team that consistently, for better or for worse, I think, left points on the on the field regularly, um, made not great decisions always down the stretch, like ran the ball probably a little bit more than they could have. The upside of the offense that you saw last year versus like, let's say go back two years for the Chiefs, right? The year they lost to the Patriots in the championship game. That offense, like, that was about the best performance you're going to get from, like, that kind of offense. It was an optimally performing offense at, in terms of what you got. When I look at this Ravens team from last year, I'm like, this was a new thing. It was just starting. Now they're just going to they're gonna build on it. They've added talent to their offense at 
essentially every level except for, for Marshall Yonda. Um, and it's just mind-blowing to me that teams don't think that the Ravens are going to be the number one or number two offense in the league. I, I just don't – I don't – God love the Saints, but I don't see the Saints outscoring the Ravens this year in, in any, like, outstanding injuries um, in any way whatsoever. Yeah, I – so there's two, I think that I've seen two different looks at this. I've seen people who consistently say that the Ravens are like one of the best teams in football and they're going to be like a Super Bowl contender. I mean, they're going to be like a Super Bowl favorite. Like I've seen some people say that. There are people that I, I greatly respect who say that. And then there's people who want to talk regression and they want to say that last year's Ravens team was uh, like an outlier, a historical outlier, and they can't come anywhere close to those levels. Um, and a lot of times that's true. I think there's definitely some situations where you don't see teams play at the same level when you have like an extraordinarily good season. Like a lot of times there is a little bit of regression. Like Ravens probably won't score, what do you say, 520 points again. They're probably not going to outscore their opponents by like 200 points. But there's not much to suggest that the Ravens still can't be very, very, very good. I mean, like if you look at DVOA, for instance, last year, the Ravens were one of the 10 best teams to ever play. Like, Overall, like they were that good, and yes, they're probably going to be a little not a little bit less good. Um, that happens, like they were probably a little bit lucky in terms of like fourth down conversion, things like that. Like, there are some areas where they're, they're just going to like come back to earth a little bit, but I think you're still going to see a team that puts up close to 500 points because, like you said, they didn't actually try to put up points in the second half of games a lot, like they were beating teams by three scores, like they just kind of you know, put everybody on ice at the end of games. That happened repeatedly. There's no need to keep pushing the buttons to keep going. If the Ravens are in closer games this year, they may not be blowing out their opponents. They're going to potentially put up even more points than they did last year if they're, ha- if they're having to. But I also think that, you know, they might not need to because their defense is really good. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I see a team that has probably the most, like, talented roster in the NFL right now. And they have the like reigning MVP at quarterback. They have great coordinators, offense and defense. Um, I, I just don't see how they're a team that's going to like just come kind of crashing down to be this like good to like like well above average team. Like, it, I don't know. I, I think it's it's silly to suggest that just because they were so good last year that they can't be any, being close to that again. So I think yeah. They can. And I also think it's people that weren't actually watching the Ravens and weren't actually watching Lamar. Like if, if you actually watched him and you watched the throws that he was making on a regular basis, um, the accuracy improvements, the ball, like security improvements, the things that he did from year one to year two were more than what you could ask for from any player that had to improve, right? Obviously he had the talent and the skill sets to be able to take that farther than potentially other players, but he did and worked his butt off on all of those things. So let's say that hand placement on the ball, throwing the ball, footwork, and like deep outs are the the things that remain that he needs to get better at and maybe a little bit of pocket presence. But honestly, I think his pocket presence is actually pretty good. Yeah, Um, he's phenomenal. You know, you add his ability to throw a couple more things into the bucket here and you add a deep passing game. And then you're going to see halves like we saw against Miami to start the year last year regularly. If the the Ravens are going to let cut Hollywood Brown loose, that's that's the other thing. The Ravens did it last year. Let's be honest. They did it with a pretty mediocre wide receiving core from from an overall talent perspective as a whole. 
Um, there are huge upgrades on just Hollywood kind of being better alone this year. Um, and what I think the Ravens added behind that a little bit, but also in addition to the fact that Hollywood's going to just get more reps in this offense. So it, it just, it, it boggles my mind <laughs> that having watched all the, those, all of the Ravens games last year, the teams or pundits would be, would be down on this team in any way whatsoever. And, and maybe, maybe you've got a predilection to supporting the Steelers. So you're going to pick them to win the division over the Ravens. But um, I just don't, I don't see how you can look at those two teams evenly at this point and say that there's a shot that in out of a hundred seasons, there are more than 15 that the Steelers finish ahead of the Ravens. And I think that might even be too many. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely agree. I think the Steelers are going to be a good team. I don't think they're going to be nearly as, as strong offensively as the Ravens. And, and they might be, pretty equivalent from a defensive perspective. Like, I think they do have a good defense, but they're, they, the Steelers also are going to regress some defensively. They, they had a kind of crazy outlier season last year in terms of turnovers. Um, you know, they have some, they have a really good defensive line. They have a good secondary. They're not like the most stacked team that's ever like played defense either. So um, I, I think that we're definitely going to, you know, see a little bit of like coming down to earth from, from them in terms of like the amount of turnovers that they can force and like touchdowns that the, the, the defense will score, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the Ravens are going to be great this year. I think it's going to be um, a different year because of, you know, COVID. We don't, we don't really know how that's going to affect um, kind of like the home field advantage situation, that kind of thing. The Ravens we know also don't are the least traveling team this year. I think they they only travel like out of the Eastern Time Zone once. They travel to Houston, I think. That's the only time they leave, like a, basically a, a small little area on the East Coast. So I think they're in great shape to just just have a, a really good season. And and I would definitely like bet the over in terms of the the Vegas line or the number of wins. Um, so yeah, I, I mean we like the Ravens. They're going they're going to be very good this year. Um, and we just need to start seeing the games being played. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think next week we're going to start to get into the actual games and cover the teams. We'll probably break down the Browns. We'll break down the Ravens. We'll do some positional matchups and talk about you know, what we're starting to see. Hopefully after that, as we get into the season, we'll be breaking down games, You know, the, the prior game, the upcoming game. We'll have some film. Um, we've got an exciting year coming. So we're, we're excited to have all you guys on board with us. Um, and excited for the season to start so we can really get into some real meat and potatoes about, you know, what's happening on the field. And I think we're hoping to bring a little bit more kind of X and O analysis to this podcast than you might hear from a, a typical one. Um, so, you know, Gabe talked a little bit about DVOA earlier. You know, we're into some of these advanced stats and metrics. Um, and we're hoping to bring uh, a little bit of a new angle to everybody um, as we come into the season in that regard, too. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, we're... Um this is the first time that we're going to be doing a podcast during the season. So we're still also trying to kind of like, you know, figure out exactly what, um, what works best, what, if, what people want to hear, what we, um, so we'd like to get any feedback possible just to know that, you know, if there's something that's a segment that you really like, we can focus on that, spend a little more time doing things. Um, if it's breaking down plays, if it's talking about schemes, if it's talking about personnel, you know, we can, we can talk all those things. So definitely want to get as much feedback as possible. Um, I think we're all very excited for the season to start. We were ne- we didn't know for sure if it was going to happen, but it looks like everything's good to go. So, um, you know, we're just excited to see how, you know, how things get going. Yeah, absolutely. So check us out. We're at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. We'll be writing articles every week there as well, in addition to the podcast. Also um, on the message board there, there's some good Ravens talk over there. 
there's some good posters that have got some, you know, really strong history, I think, um, and understanding the Ravens and, and can add to that conversation there. You guys can check us out on Twitter. Um, he's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. Um, we're looking forward to this upcoming season. Thanks for tuning in tonight. All right. Thanks, guys.